life was like a box of chocolates. There is no place like... You talking to me? All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Nobody puts baby in a hole. I've got a contender. He's looking at you, kid. Here's Johnny. A very particular set of skills. Your milkshake. Go ahead. Make my day. I'll be back. I am the father. I'm Spartacus. Say hello to my little friend. Why so serious? You shall not Welcome back uh, to Real Features Podcast. Um, we've got a very special uh, episode this time. We're doing Counting Down the Top 10 Films of 2020. We're a little bit delayed this time, uh, about six months after 2020, but it doesn't matter. I think everyone's still in lockdown in Melbourne at the moment, and uh, everyone always needs uh, some good movie selections anyway. So hopefully we can at least do this for, for all of you listening. Um I'm your host, Paul Cookson, and I'm joined by uh, Paul Bonadio. Welcome, Paul. Thank you, Paul Cookson. Very, very happy to be on board. I'm very I'm very excited. I don't know what's coming up. I don't know what you've put for your top 10, but, man, I'm excited. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, thank you, and uh, definitely keen to hear your thoughts and even, I guess, what, again, uh, what you think I may have missed out on or what you had uh, high up for your list as well. Um, if you can remember what was in 2020, it was a while ago. Um, unfortunately, uh, Sam Lavery can't join us today, but in exciting news for him, he's expecting uh, his first child any day now. So that uh, is very exciting for him. So, very exciting. But, uh, yeah, but another big news, uh, it's your, it was your birthday yesterday as well. So, uh, happy yeah. birthday, Paul. I, it was. Thank you, Paul, for, for pointing that out. I've, I think <laughs> I think we're about the same age now. And, like, you are just so much further along in life. Like, it's oh, just crazy, God. dude. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, speaking of yesterday, um, we talked about one of the films, and we'll talk about this a bit later, I'm sure. Um, I watched yeah. one of the films last night that's on the list, and I'm looking yeah, forward to chatting yeah. about that because I thought it was an absolute belter. So I'm excited. Nice. Oh, I'm very keen to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's good. Um, we have to do a special one day on best birthday films. I don't know if there are many out there, but birthday films. I don't know. One to think about. Uh, that could be the next one. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not really strict to mind actually, but uh, you got a lot of Christmas ones and things like that. Not many Easter ones, but anyway, we digress. So yes, um, <laughs> we can probably get straight into it. Actually, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> As you said, 2020. It was a while ago. It was a year to forget. Um, and overall, to be honest, uh, doing I've been doing the top. 10 films for a long, long time, I think since 2006, potentially. So it's probably been quite a while. I'd say of all years, this was probably one of the not as good mm. years, because let's face it, a lot of movies were pushed back. Um, so the list was a little bit harder to try and put together and probably some in the early rounds probably wouldn't have hit the top 10 in most years. But again, I was trying to scramble something to get in there. So, um, but the top end is still pretty strong. So um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um, so you look number 10, uh, I'll start off with. Um, as I said, I thought this was good. Probably not uh, super high on traditional years, but just a bit of fun, I thought. So um, number 10 for me was I Care A Lot. Um, I Care A Lot uh, is the, I think it was maybe, a, I think it was Netflix potentially, but um, it was about a crooked legal guardian who plays the system to gain control and then drain the savings and assets of the elderly and vulnerable. 
in her last uh, latest conquest, she unfortunately chooses to take advantage of the mother of a dangerous mobster played by Peter Dinklage. Um, things, of course, then get very heated from there. Um, this uh, stars Ro Rosamund Pike and, as I said, Peter Dinklage. Um, and it's directed by Jay Blakeson, uh, fairly unknown, but I believe he did direct The Fifth Wave and uh, wrote the screenplay to The Descent Part 2. Um, mm -hmm. Few links to this one to the Britney Spears movement. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this one actually, Glove. Uh, have you seen this? Oh. Well, this is one of the exciting things about it because I haven't seen it, but I yeah. want to hear about it. I will watch it because we actually have very similar movie knowledge. So I'm yeah. intrigued to, 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 to find out what you liked about it. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, and it sort of is, as I said, mentioned, um, linked to the Britney Spears movement because it's the storyline is that sort of thing where they take, you've got the Guardian that takes advantage of your assets and takes mm -hmm. full control of it. So it was almost a, a little bit of a, a dip at that as well. But probably the thing that I thought that, I mean, kind of got me on that, you know, uh, Rosamund Pike was on things like Gone Girl and stuff, and she, mm -hmm. not as extreme in that, but she kind of has, um, you know, ref, uh, similar traits to that character. Um, it's a bit lighter, this one, it's a bit more of a comedy, but just, she's still a bit of a badass in it, and she's so good at that role, and it's so cool to kind of see her back in a similar character. Um, Peter Dinklage is pretty funny in it. As I said, it's kind of lighthearted, but it's still... Um, just a fun sort of Saturday sort of watch you could you could uh, put on and um, yeah it's sort of a as I said comedy crime thriller type thing so um, yeah no that was a lot of fun. Well, we needed a few of those movies back in 2020. We probably still need them now in lockdown as well. So, and with that sort of character as well, that you've got this the scamming father, the scamming guardian. That's an automatic enemy character right there. You don't even have to. Put too, there's obviously emphasis put into it, but you don't need as much sort of shaping of it. You just know that that's a that's a shit person right there, and it, it probably oh, it gives a bit of bit of the movie the backbone, I guess. It does. It really does. Yeah, and that's the the weird thing with this film is because traditionally they'd be very unlikable, and especially what they're doing, taking advantage of of the elderly and stuff like that. But I guess they do it well because. Um, the fact that it's sort of a mobster, of course, that they're taking a you know a connection to a mobster's uh, mum. Mm. Uh, so it's sort of yeah, it is done very well. So yeah, yeah. And I wonder with Dinklage as well. I mean, there's only so many like movies he can be in, really, isn't it? and and it's kind of like I'm not saying that he can't be in, but he's very typecast because of the way he is. And I don't know, I don't want this to sound like he can't star in any movie, but in some ways <laughs> he can't because of his, yeah. the, the way he is. But he's got such a presence in, in everything he does. Even going back to before Game of Thrones, what he brings to a film, it's almost gravitas. It's it's an older style of of acting, I feel. Yeah, you're right. He's he's um yeah he's got a definitely got an aura about him since then, and for him to be playing a mob boss, but it, the way he can talk and kind of quite charismatic and things like that, he can certainly show that at least he would you know could pull off being this leader of like a gang boss. That I mean, a lot of the you know the physicality comes from the other characters, but he's still you know, but it's also still got the lighter side of it as well, which you know Dinklage does so well as well. He's been in a lot of comedies too, so yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's a good one. Nice. Yeah. Well, it's on the list, Cookson. It's on the list. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, next up, I think you probably have seen this one. Um, number nine uh, was actually Borat's subsequent movie film. Mm -hmm. Interesting to get your uh, take on this before I do the spiel. But uh, yeah, what? did you see it? Did you like it? I saw most of it. It's just it cooks it. I'm gonna, and there's all, all already bias coming through from me. Yep. With cringe comedy, it's I, I can't watch some cringe comedy. It's almost too much. And he pushed it in this film as well. <laughs> like Borat, Jackass, all these sort of things. I've seen some of your home videos back in the day as well. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to go into that right now. Yeah, not some of the real features in any way. <laughs> <Yep. laughs> I think that's on this list. Um, yeah. I can't get it out of my mind, though. Um, but, yeah, I look... I can only enjoy these type of movies so much, but he, what he does, he does it so well. And he's shown how flexible he can be to other characters as well. And not just a one trick pony with Borat too. Absolutely. Um, and that's the thing with this, like he, he, his dedication to the role is, is so impressive the way he can just not break character. I mean, so interesting, uh, some of it's quite well known, but some of the crazy things he did was conservatives that he, he stayed with during the, the film and within five days, he did not break character. So he lived with them for five days and yes. he did not break character the whole time. Um, another time as well, um, he was hanging out in the toilet stalls of the uh, Conservative Political Action Conference awaiting Mike Pence to arrive. That was the one, I don't know if you saw it, but he dressed up as Donald Trump in yeah. the full outfit. He waited there for five hours straight, just waiting oh for this God. thing to start. Jesus. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, man, commitment. I must be like... What's he like in real life? I've seen him speak in real life a few times. He seems like a relatively normal guy, but you have to have something a little eccentric to be able to do stuff like that. Absolutely. I mean, he's been doing it. I mean, to think, uh, I remember the original Ali G and stuff. I mean, he was doing yeah. that stuff like late, late 90s, early 2000s. So he's he's been doing this and leading the charge almost since the Jackass days when that's, this was sort of the version of that. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's impressive. And uh, yeah, no, he seems like a pretty uh, like likable and quite funny, even in he won some awards off this. And he was, um, of course, kind of in all of his acceptance speeches was quite comical in those as well. I definitely recommend um, looking them up. But um, yeah, no. And, and the other surprise packet on this one, I think, was um, uh, his co-star Maria uh, Bakalova as well, who was nominated for this one as well, um, missed yeah. out. But um, she was a real surprise and I think will probably set up her career off the back of it. But she was equally as good, just like did some pretty full on situations she was put in um, and just was not uh, rattled at all. And yeah, yeah. Good character, it was very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Again, you got to be a strong actor, a strong character to keep up with him. So to go blow for blow, that's impressive. Yeah. And I think, again, typically this film would not be in the top 10, but I think, it, again, trying to get films in there, I know it got a lot of uh, award recognition as well, but it's probably just, for me, the fact that he could do this after all the publicity, still pull off a film, not be recognised. Again, his um, impressive dedication to character like we've just covered. Um, and then also, like, it kind of came at a good time when, you know, during the COVID-19, during um, all of uh, Trump's stuff, to kind of have him again be able to pick holes at that, um, make a lighter side of it and, and pull off what he did. Yeah, 
very cool. Yeah. yeah. Again, yeah, one of those films we needed. And the Giuliani stuff as well, there was a little bit of controversy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. yeah, and the joke, I mean, the jokes almost kept going with Giuliani uh, after this. I mean, I don't know if you saw the part where he did an interview where in his hair dye started uh, uh, melting down his face. It just started, oh, like, the dye went down his face. And um, there was another one where I think they did the press conference and it was supposed to be somewhere. And I think it was at the front of like a club or something. Like they missed up, missed up uh, where they were supposed to be going to the address. And it was just a, a massive, oh. yeah, so quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No shortage of material. Yeah, exactly. Um, moving on to number eight. Uh, number eight for me uh, was Soul, the Pixar animation film. Um, yeah. yeah. Have you seen that one? Or? I've seen that one, man. They know how to make like a moving picture. Like for the, some reason they, they get to me like inside out, they're kind of, it got, it's got some parallels there, I thought, but just what they can do, and they're so, they're perfect for repetitive viewing. I think Soul's a perfect movie that you can watch again and again. But yeah, man, I really enjoyed it. They they don't put out a bad movie, Pixar. Well, Cars two, but other than that, they put out blinders <laughs> every time. Absolutely, yeah, their their standard is pretty amazing. They and that was the thing they brought out two Pixar films uh, in twenty twenty, and both of them were very very strong. I would say the other one was Onward, uh, which starred Tom Holland and uh, Chris Pratt, um, about two Elwin brothers that embark on a quest to bring their father back from uh, for one day only, and as oh, they're trying yeah. to. Only half of him comes back and it's just his legs. It's like a real, some of these storylines Pixar pull out and yet they can just like, I don't know who thinks them up and yet they just work. It's incredible. Like, yeah, that, that one particularly is dark too, but it's very, it still very, very funny, isn't it? Is it, that's yeah. not on the list. Is that on the list as well, Paul? Or no, that didn't it out, but it was, it probably could have gotten in there actually, like over some of the other, yeah, over the last two, but yeah, it was good too. Yeah. Yeah. But look, for those who don't know what Soul was, um, we'll just give it a quick uh, summary. But it's it's around um, Joe, a character called Joe, who is a middle school band teacher who has a deep love for jazz music. Um, he's disappointed with how his life has turned out thus far. Um, to his surprise, he scores a lucky break to join a popular jazz band after a successful audition. Um, unfortunately for Joe, he suffers a fatal accident which separates his soul from his body and he's transported to a mystical plane between life and death. He's given a chance to reclaim his life and is what uh, in what is expected to be an impossible challenge. So um, it's directed by Peter, Doc, uh, I think it's Doctor and Kemp Powers, who actually also did Up, Inside and Monster Inc. So there you go, pretty good track record. They've pulled them back uh, to keep going. Um, stars Jamie Foxx, Tina Fey and Graham Norton. Um, but yes, as you said, I think the quality of Pixar is very strong and this one is no different. Um, yeah, it kind of goes into all the, I guess everyone's trying to find their purpose and passion and life and this, this addresses it and pretty powerful, I imagine, for young kids. But again, very adult friendly as well. And um, yeah, I, I really like Jamie Foxx as well. I think he's really grown as an actor as he can t comes on as well. Um, I think he doesn't do as much now, but I think he is a, a strong actor as well. 
Um, it was an interesting one, these ones as well, because they thought being a Pixar film that this one was going to clean up at the box office. COVID hit, and this was one of those ones where um, they launched Disney Plus, their streaming company, and they had to release it on that. And they were pretty annoyed with that, um, not thinking that originally it was going to go on there. I know people at Pixar were pretty disappointed, but it still did well, but probably not bought in the cash they were originally thought. But um, yeah, it's what do you think? And I think it's genius in a way, but also it's a Hollywood angle as well with the way they juxtapose. juxtapose adult themes which with the sort of amazing visuals that kids are going to like so you're hitting i think it's amazing the way they do it but they're also hitting both target markets as well so the it's 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 actually kind of the best of both worlds it's great for for pixar who are doing it they know they're going to get a hit on their hands but at the same time kids are going to grow up with films like this as well and then realize when they grow up like shit this means a lot more than i thought it did when i was younger yeah, I think you're spot on. Um, I think because we almost did that when we were younger, going through Toy Story and stuff like that, and it's mm. like we've almost become loyal fans of it, you know, to keep keep coming back to it. And you know you can take your kids to it and, you know, the adults can actually enjoy it. Like they even – you don't have kids you want to see a Pixar film. So it's, it's such a – and I think a lot of other – um, companies are starting to copy copy the Pixar mold, but I mean they've been doing it. They're the OGs, you know. They've been doing that shit for yeah. and, and still pulling it off. So it's um yeah, pretty cool. Unbelievable, yeah. yeah the artistry with all of that, still still to this day, the effort. I know technology is so much better, but it is the, the hundreds of thousands of hours that goes into every frame of those movies. It's that's man, it's mind blowing. It's it's almost yeah. an honor to see those sort of films. It really is. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It is. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. And it's things like they've they've pulled off films like you know Ratatouille. Like imagine the pitch of that one. Like a rat uh, who controls yeah. another person and is becomes a cook. Like just you know, I, I actually read the um, the biography of um, I forget the guy's name, but it was the CEO of Disney. And when he was taking over Pixar to buy them. He went into that actual, they actually pitched Ratatouille to him. He was like, uh, what, is, what are we buying? This is crazy. <laughs> like, you know, things like that. Even he was told about Wally and Up, and he was still like, you know, what, a, you know, a robot that goes, you know, in the post-apocalyptic world for a kid's film. Like, just, yeah, yeah they do it well. They do it well. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so number seven, this is a surprising one. This is a very surprising one, especially for me. I don't usually like this genre at all, but uh, it was actually Hamilton. Hamilton, which is Hamilton, the film around the musical. that um, was pretty much a musical that was filmed. Um, uh, I guess those who don't know the movie, Hamilton essentially is a film that filming capture of the real life and highly popular Broadway musical, which tells a real life story of one of America's founding fathers and first, first Secretary of uh, Treasury, Alexander Hamilton. Film uh, is captured at the Richard Rogers Theatre on Broad Broadway in June 2016. Um, directed by Thomas Cale and written by Lin-Manuel Manuel Miranda, who also stars in it. Um, yeah, it's look, it's uh, it's an interesting one because musicals and the fact that it's not really technically a film, it's kind of just a, a film recorded of a of a musical. For me, the reason this hit number one, and to be honest, I popped it on, I had my laptop on, and I kind of had it on the background. Um, it was mid 
COVID lockdown, we couldn't do anything. We couldn't see anything. There were no shows. There were no sporting events. There was nothing. I, so the music was so catchy and I put the laptop down and I was actually like, it was kind of cool. It felt like for once I was like not in lockdown and it almost felt like I was watching a show and it transported me out. And just to get that feeling for one night, it was kind of, it kind of stuck with me a little bit and it kind of refreshed me a little bit during lockdown. And I guess that's the thing, like this probably during, um, not lockdown um, would have been in the top 10. I still think it was very good. And I know I talked to a lot of um, people at work and stuff like that. They swear by it. And obviously, um, you know, it's obviously about the American Revolutionary War, as we said. It's a funny thing as well, because it's very, the music's very, it's like a rap, hip hop, jazz, R&B, very modern sort of thing on a topic where it's obviously around the slave, the civil, um, civil, um, civil um, war and stuff like that. But um, but to have it then filled replacing a lot of these, well, probably racist characters as well, uh, replaced by uh, African-Americans and Latino characters. Um, yeah, it was very well done, I thought. So, yeah, I don't know if you saw or heard about this one, Glove. I don't know if it's well, one for you, but yeah. It, I, I'm a big musicals fan. I don't know if you know that, yeah. but I'm a massive musicals no, fan. I did not know that. Yeah, oh, 100%. I went and, well, I saw Jersey Boys by myself in New York. You know, just drop that wow. on you. But I've been there <laughs> heaps. And I actually don't know, should I, because I haven't seen it, but the following of this and how ardent and, like, how passionate, my friend Jess would make this whole production her boyfriend if she could. She absolutely loves it. So should I wait for the musical or do I watch the movie? Because um, it's coming down to Melbourne. And that's a that is a good one because it's uh, you're exactly right. It, it um, Australia bought the rights. Uh, sorry, Sydney bought the rights, um, and they originally got it. And now it's just been announced. It's coming to Melbourne. And unfortunately, this is the the tough thing because when I first heard it was coming out, I was like, I'm I liked it that much. And again, not having many shows, I'd actually be willing to fly to Sydney to go and watch it. Like that's how much Shit. I liked it. And I was actually yeah, I looked it up. Look, it might be silly, but then when I found out it was just the local Australian cast, not the original character, like original actors, that pulled me back a little bit because I thought they did it so well. And it's always hard to then sort of see. But I people at work actually did do that. They flew to Sydney and watched it and said, incredible. It was amazing. So, yeah. Um, so that, yeah, I probably would be keen to see it in Melbourne. But um, yeah, it's a good question. Do you see the show or do you watch the movie first? I still think because the original characters and um, it, I don't know. Yeah, it's a really hard one. Like, I, I think you can go either way because, again, the fact that they did film it really well and the original actors are so good in it, um, they do capture it really well in, in that feeling that you actually are there. But um, especially, I guess, if you're sitting in seats, you don't, you know, especially with my eyesight, you can't really yeah. make out who they are. But um, sitting, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, I guess, where big your seats are. But, like, this gives you nice close-ups and all that sort of stuff. And, um, yeah. Again, I, I really like Jonathan Groff, who's in it, who sings it. He's got a minor role in it, but Jonathan Groff is the guy who was in Frozen, but more importantly, Mindhunter, who was fantastic in Mindhunter and such a, a, a different character, but um, his voice is amazing as well. But um, yeah, no, it's very cool. But yeah, mm. we'll have to go, Glove. Double date up. That's definitely happening. Wait, yeah. I, I love the, the it's a magical theater is magical. I went and saw um even just a Shakespeare play between COVID lockdown fifteen, um and loved it. But like yeah, 
we're doing that. Also, we are at opposite ends of the scale regarding Mindhunter. I'm just saying we don't have to go into that now. Oh, I was, wow. I was not a wow. fan. And, and I don't know if it's the oh, same guy God. you're talking about, but the, 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 the main actor from it, I don't know if it's the same guy, but he put it me is. off it. He put me off it, Paul. Wow. I'm, I'm really real. This isn't just like, oh, Paul and Paul get along with every single movie, okay? So, oh, that could that could change things right there, Paul. Wow. Chloe and I actually named our goldfish under those Dude, apologize to the goldfish for me. I'm really sorry. <laughs> All righty, um, we'll move on to number six. Um, not sure if you've seen this one either, but number six for me, uh, I think it even won Best Picture, if I'm not mistaken, but Nomadland. Okay. Um, uh, so Nomadland follows the uh, economic collapse of a company town in Nevada. Uh, the story follows Fern, played by Frances McDormand, who's a phenomenal actress. Um, as she packs her van and explores the vast landscape of the American West as a nomad. Directed by Chloe Zhao. Uh, Zhao. Uh, she also did The Rider and is doing Marvel's Eternals. Um, but uh, really, this film uh, only really stars Frances McDormand and David uh, Strathairn. Strathairn, if I can say that right. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's almost like a Borat-type film in that they're actually going along in the film. They've got a storyline. They've told the difference is they've actually told other people that they are actually acting and there's a storyline, but they're just kind of playing themselves. And they just kind of so they go along in situations with nomads and kind of see it, but they're in character, mm -hmm. uh, not break character, but with a loose storyline. And then obviously they do act out other scenes and stuff like that. But um, I don't think I've seen that before. Like I've seen the comedy side of things, the whole Borat, the whole that sort. Of, but to have a drama where you're actually doing that, especially with someone to the quality of uh, Francis McDormand as well, like and and that mixed in with the way that Chloe um, films this, uh, some of her scenes, tracking shots of the scenery of like the landscape of America and um, things like that is just so incredibly done. Just like rolling landscapes, it's just yeah, very very cool. Have you seen it or? No, I'm going to be honest, I haven't seen this one. Apologies to all the listeners. I where was I in 2020? I had nothing else to do and I haven't seen half the <laughs> movies here. But man, what a concept! I don't know, it's because yeah. when you, again, I always think back to the pitch meeting, you pitch this, you have to have some serious, serious like production crew behind this and serious actress, actors to pull this off. And clearly they have. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they, they really have. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know, just such an original concept in a world where there's no much there's not much originality anymore. It's either sequels, remakes, or you know, like comic films. So mm. it's um, it's uh, it's very cool, and uh, yeah, it's yeah. I think that's part of the the cool part. Like the storyline's pretty good. Um, it's an interesting in like look at nomads that I probably I don't know about you. I certainly didn't know that much about, but um, yeah, it's um. Yeah, very cool. Apparently as well, um, again, we talk about how good Sasha Baron Cohen was with the whole um, not, you know, staying in character and stuff like that. But apparently um, she, for four to five months, Francis lived the life of a nomad to keep in, keep more authentic um, as opposed to just acting the scenes. And I think she even, um, you know, was sort of trying to do that in, a, in the um, 
in her, what do you call it, um, not a car, but um, van that she was sort of going around. Um, after a while, apparently wore her down so much that she okay. didn't have to pull it back and just said, like, I'm actually really exhausted and it's really hard to get back up for it sort of thing. So she yeah. kind of then resorted back to probably the five-star luxury after that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, she certainly gave it gave it apparently a pretty big crack as they were driving around. And, yeah, but, no, very cool, very cool. Yeah. Culture. Because she can't be, she, she'd be in her, what, 50s, 60s as well, Frances McDormand? Yeah, thank you. She was, she's been around for ages. Uh, if, you see a lot. Of stuff like yeah. yeah, it's like, it's a credit. You see some of these, uh, no, she's not old, but older actors, they either go one way or the other. You can be Anthony Hopkins, Frances McDormand, they're yeah. still going up and up. Then you can go to like the De Niro, Pacino path where yeah. they haven't really done much good for a while yeah. other than, other than um, the Irishman. But, yeah. yeah, man, full credit. And you could tell she's the type of person that would just stick fat with her craft as well. She's not going to make anything that's shit. No. Yeah, I know no, you're a big fan. But Massive. And, and, like, the amount of – she won the Academy Award again for this, and I think she uh, – I can't remember how many. She's probably won three or four now. Like, she's she's absolutely dominating. She's up there with, like, almost Meryl Streep status, I think, with, um, you know, award recognition and stuff like that. And, yeah, anything – she touches now it's just um incredible and she can be choosy she's almost the female version of daniel day lewis like character like yeah. she can play so many different characters can be choosy um yeah just um and she's she is quite quirky in real life as well you see her uh accepting awards she can be a little bit quirky and you get elements of this so she's sort of in character but that's the cool thing as well you kind of see her being her a little bit as well so it's um mm -hmm. yeah but no very cool very nice. Cool. It's another one on the list. It's on the list. <laughs> um, number five, so it's the top five, um, was uh, The Sound of Metal. Uh, so this one uh, follows Ruben, played by Riz Ahmed, uh, a heavy metal drummer whose life is thrown into disarray when he uh, begins to lose his hearing. Um, so directed by Darius Marta, uh, who's fairly unknown, um, the cast includes Riz Ahmed, uh, as I said, uh, who I absolutely love. You would know him from things like Nightcrawler, Rogue One, the Night of Zero series that came out, um, mm -hmm. Olivia Cook, and uh, Paul uh, Racy. Uh, I think how you spell it. But yeah, look, um, Riz, I think, is phenomenal for me. He's such an um, incredible actor. I think he's he's getting some better roles and, and recognition as he goes, but I, I'm a huge fan of his. Um, again, people embracing roles. Uh, he spent six months learning drums uh, and also learned sign language from scratch to for this film because he, you know, without too many spoilers, he, he loses his hearing through, through drums and stuff. And I guess the other thing... As a musician, um, knowing how crazy when you are playing in loud bands, that ring you get in your ears after a, a massive concert, which again, you go to live shows, you get that too. But um, they portray that very well. And yeah, no, very cool. Very good film. Nice. Did you think you uh, sort of sympathise with this film because you do come from that musician background as well? So it was something that you could, you know, something that you could could sympathize with and could see something the main character in yourself yeah i think there probably is an element especially like hearing that ringing it was all so familiar and i think everyone mm. has heard like gets that a little bit when you go to a big show as i said but um and that is always the scary thing i think again the science is probably almost changing on this more and more as we go as well because there is a, a clear link that people can really do damage to their hearing with um and yeah like and they do the i mean the the 
part of the movie is about that, but the majority of the film is actually focused on the disability in the community around, uh, you know, people without hearing. And um, again, not a topic that's usually covered massively in this. And um, But also, I, I guess, like a lot of the cast, again, is actually deaf. Um, the way they were communicating to each other apparently was um, through sign language throughout the film as well. Um, apparently Riz even put auditory blockers deep inside his ear canal um, that emitted white noise during some of the early filming just so he couldn't hear anything, um, yeah. including his own voice to get into character. But apparently he removed them because it was really hard um, to communicate with the director and cast at times. Um, yeah. But And there's even a scene where he gets audible, uh, I think it's called audible uh, or cochle uh, cochlear implants where um he has the surgery and it's supposed to be that like the microphones in your ear so you can actually hear a little bit but again the audio the way they they pull this off is insane because you almost feel like you're hearing what they hear and just how crazy that how hard that would be for them in um you know in life so it's it's such a very some people i saw watch this film and thought it was boring because it is very dialogue heavy it's very much you know it's kind of um, all the advertising is Sound of Metal um, and, you know, he's got tats, he's doing like a metal drumming, but a lot of it is around this whole disability thing, which I think some people probably didn't go into it. But again, the acting and, and all that sort of stuff is, is very cool. And also at the start of it, you'll like it, but uh, Riz does this crazy drum solo, which again, as someone who's just learned drums, it's it's very impressive as well. So, yeah. oh, man, there's no shortcut to that. I was thinking that learning sign language, learning drums, it's not like working out for a superhero role where you can juice up and, and work yeah. out you need to, yeah. to to learn an instrument to learn sign language and it wouldn't have been within a, a long period of time either is again no. it's out of control it is it is and he's um he's pretty ripped in it as well like kind of like that when i sort of drummers that do yeah so he does it he does it well yeah it's yeah. definitely um dedication to the craft I don't, yeah he's a talented yeah, nice. actor that's for sure yeah okay all right yeah good film good film um cool number four this was kind of on the boundary of 2020 2019 i put it into this one because to be honest i was again struggling for the top 10 um yeah. but it was a very good film and i watched it after i, I did my 2019 so it's going in 2020 so yeah. on this list <laughs> um it was uh guy Ritchie's the gentleman okay again Oh, geez, I should have checked out this list before it happened. But tell me why it was so good. Tell me why. Right. So this film is, uh, it's it follows a talented American uh, graduate of Oxford who uses his uh, crafty intellect to build a marijuana empire. However, when he tries to sell his operation to a fellow American billionaire, a chain of events unfold, including bribery, deception, and oh, murder. This is Guy Ritchie. This is Guy Ritchie. Oh, of course, I've seen, dude. I've seen this multiple times. I apologise, oh. the gentleman. Of course, so I apologise. I've seen this a number. I watched yes. this last month. Yeah. Oh, with like Hugh Grant, Henry Golding, yeah. Colin Farrell, Jeremy Strong, uh, Michelle Dockery, Charlie Hunnam. Yep, big cast. Dude, um, tell me about. I, I really enjoy. It. I probably Lockstock is one of my Lockstock's Two Smoking Barrels, one of my favorite films of all time. And Snatch was yeah. a great follow-up too. Everything he does, and like this was a return to his roots, like going back. I like yes. how he brought McConaughey in though. So it was, he was still tied, still had that American audience in there as well. But yeah. <laughs> man, like apart from just the, 
the feel of a film like this. You know it's a Guy Ritchie film. It's the humour that gets me. And I know a lot of it, there was a lot of criticism that it was like bordering on racism, some of the humour. I, I, I didn't, I mean, yeah, that's subjective. But <laughs> yeah. the the darkness, and it, it's it's quite a, um with a typical Guy Ritchie movie, it's sometimes a tough plot to follow because you don't know who's doing what and that's why it's so good to watch again. But, yeah. man, it's just another quality addition to his canon. I I, I like, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Very well summarized, I reckon. Um, yeah, you're spot on. He's, he's, he does some, his timelines and the way he jumps around characters, but he has such cool characters and, um, his dialogue's always really well written. And, and again, um, you know, he, he seems to be able to bring out some characters, uh, like, you know, Hugh, Hugh Grant. I mean, his character was, uh, again, playing such a different character to what he does. And he has started doing that a little bit more, Hugh Grant. I mean, you know, that, I think the undoing and stuff like that, the series he did recently, but, um, yeah, it, the other amazing thing about Hugh Grant, apparently he shot all of his scenes in five days, uh, which was about 40 pages of dialogue. He just smashed it out, apparently, just like all the <laughs> professionals, bang, bang, bang. Um, but and apparently Guy Ritchie is also writing a miniseries based on this movie, which is interesting wow. as well. So, yeah. That, I don't remember after Rock and Roller, he was going to do a sequel. That never happened. So I'm, I'm okay, going to wait yeah. with bated breath on this one. But yeah. I noticed with like, Guy Ritchie movies, there's always that one particular scene that I think, I don't know, I don't know if he puts a bit more effort into it, but it's one where Charlie Hum, Hum, I don't know how to pronounce his name, yeah. Yeah. Is, is going to rescue the daughter of the Russian millionaire from this sort of crack den and he's rolling a joint and it's just like a set piece that went goes for about 10, 15 minutes. There's always yeah. one of those those type of sequences in yeah. every Guy Ritchie movie and that was yeah that was my favorite part of the whole film I loved it right. yeah uh, spot on well mm. said um it yeah you're he's definitely back to form I think he had a little bit of a dip for a while there but I mean I think he's definitely coming back he even actually just surprised the last night I watched his newest film um Wrath of a Man um oh, which okay. is awesome very cool um yeah uh yeah, Jason Statham um, and a bunch of others in it as well. But uh, yeah, very well done. He's he's definitely that was probably darker, and whereas this has sort of got that humour, um, like you said, kind of not the level of Lock, Stock and Snatch, but it's definitely got elements of that. With um, yeah, very cool. But yeah, no, definitely. As I said, wanted to sneak it in there because it was definitely one of the top films. Yep. But yeah, on the borderline of 2020, but we'll put it in there. That's very okay, well. Paul. I'll accept it. <laughs> Um, number three, uh, was The Invisible Man. Uh, this was The Invisible Man directed by Lee Wannell, the Aussie, who did things like Saw, Upgrade, Insidious, some things like that. Stars Elizabeth, Elizabeth Motz, that you might know from Mad Men and Handmaid's mm. Tale. Um, this is a remake, uh, and a u unique retelling of the classic 1933 horror film of the same name. Um, film follows uh, Cecilia, who leaves her abusive rich husband, who then takes his own life, leaving all of his fortune to her under certain conditions. As the story continues, Cecilia starts to suspect that her husband's death was actually a hoax, when a series of coincidence, uh, coincidences start to deeply affect her life. 
convincing her that she's actually being stalked and tormented by her husband that nobody else can see. Um, this film is probably more, almost focuses on the mental illness and, and the strain and effect of an abusive relationship than probably the original films is more just a classic horror film. This has such an interesting and original slant that it goes into that and um, the effects that it has on her mental state is just, and to have Elizabeth Moss, who is such a phenomenal actress, um, she does the, the the mental strain so well. Um, and again, having Lee Wannell, who is again, uh, such a good horror director, it's just the perfect mix. I, I love this. That's why it's number three for me. I don't know if you've seen it, Glove. But, I've you know. seen it. And I, I tell you what I like about Elizabeth Moss as well, is that she's not a traditional sort of starlet. She's not like, you know, she's not in the mold of other starlets that have come in the past. She gets by on her acting chops. I was a massive Mad Men fan, but the yeah. stuff that she's done and including this, and this had a bit of a, a bit of a feminist slant to it, I thought as well, which is, which is fine and great, of course. Um, but she yeah. just pulls it off so well. You, you can watch anything with her in it and it, and it does well, but yeah, man, I really enjoyed this as well. I thought you were going to reference some Kevin Bacon, you know, oh, the hollow man. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Which is another take on Invisible Man for sure. Definitely uh, <laughs> classic. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, that's a worthy, worthy number number three. Um, and I think yeah. it's, it's it's good to rewatch again as well. I might do that. I might do that tonight. Yeah, yeah, mm. it's a lot of fun. Um, definitely. I mean, I always like to watch my horror films, the lights off, all that sort of stuff, to get the full extent yeah. of it. But. Um, just that subtle horror that's like super creepy, well done with some cool camera angles and stuff like that. The subtle horror that's not in your face, it doesn't it doesn't treat you like an idiot. It's more, did I see that? Or, mm. you know, that sort of stuff. It's very cool along with, again, her acting. It's um, very cool, very well done. Yeah. Interesting enough, it, this was originally going to be part of the wider, what they started to create, Dark Universe. It was supposed to be like their version of like Marvel Universe, that sort of stuff. They, they originally it was with Dracula Untold was the first one. Then they tried with The Mummy, with which I think had Tom Cruise in it. Then they yeah. bought out, um, they were going to do Jekyll and Hyde. And I think Jekyll was originally in, in The Mummy with uh, Russell Crowe. And they actually, and they were going to do a Wolfman as well. I can't remember who that, I think it was me, Javier Barton, who they had originally cast with that. They literally had a full-blown cast. They even had cast in, in this film was going to be Johnny Depp. But because the mummy didn't make much money, they pulled mm. all those plans and have just decided to make this its own standalone film. Which um, I mean, it would be kind of cool to see all the you know all those sort of characters, you know, Dracula, Mummy, Hollow Man, Wolfman, all that sort of stuff in one kind of you know build up film. But um, at the same yeah. time, the fact that we got to get this film, it, it, you know, that was awesome. They did well. Um, yeah. Man. So yeah. That's a shame. Bart M is um, Wolfman. That is a perfect matchup then. How good it would is. he be in that role? I would love to see that. Yeah. Hopefully they can come back to it. Because I think this went pretty well. So maybe, I don't know, they can revisit it. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, geez, we're getting to the business uh, end here, Paul. Yes. Uh, top two. File two. So number two, actually, was the film you were talking about last night that you watched... Uh, for your birthday night, you can introduce yep. it, in fact, uh, if you want. <laughs> it's called Another Round. So I believe it was, it's Danish, right? Denmark um, yes. film? Yes, yes, you're right. Um, yeah. 
It's basically, I actually tried to explain the concept today to a friend, Jared O'Shaughnessy, and it's, it's essentially uh, four teachers come up with a theory that if you keep it 0.05 throughout the day, that you can live a happier life, you can be more productive, and that you can just be, you know, there's an, an advantage and a benefit to doing that. And um, they do start off doing that. And it, it goes well for a little while. I'm not going to say what happens towards the end of the film, but it is, it's a, it's again, I think one of the hallmarks of this top 10 list is that it's a very interesting concept. And a few of those have been breaking through in this list. And I think from start to finish, it's not, it's not a quick film. It takes its time. It's got great pacing. Also, it was inspired by the director's daughter who she died four days before. I think production was due to start, which is crazy. Um, yeah. But I think she was the one who even came with the, the script or, or said, like, talked him into doing it. Um, mm. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's tragic. And even that he went on to direct it, that's an amazing effort. But, um, yeah. man, really enjoyable film. Um, I would again. It's long. It's, it gets quite dark at times. But uh, again, I don't want to give away what what happens. But we were discussing this beforehand whether the film has a message of positive alcohol effects or negative, and it's kind of it's it's very much up to the one of those viewer decides. But I think for the most part, it's kind of positive. It's like yeah. <laughs> there's scenes in there where you're like. You can't do that, but it works with alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> it was, um, I really enjoyed it. You're right. Um, apparently in Denmark, like they're, they're huge drinkers. Like, so that, I think that was why this film was like a, a celebration of alcohol, which is, is rare because usually we're kind of getting lectured on alcohol and kind of getting told the negative impacts, like you said. And again, that's why I thought this was kind of original. Like you said, uh, you know, it's, it's rare that you get a film that actually says as, um you know alcohol can be good in uh, or can be you know not good i know there's a lot of health uh, negative uh, impacts of it but it can be fun if you kind of if you treat if you do drink to uh responsibly i guess and i guess both of us uh do enjoy the bottle a little bit but um it's a lot of fun but um i think it still sort of shows i mean there's, there's definitely something there like i think um I know for me personally, I, when I was younger, I used to struggle a little bit in certain situations, especially getting a little bit personal, but even sometimes with, with dating people a little bit, dating, you know, going out on dates and I was, I'd be a little bit nervous, but even just uh, sounds a bit funny, but I'd sometimes have a, have a drink or two just to take the edge off and it kind of would give me a, a confidence. And, and I guess that's what, you know, you can kind of relate to that and see that this is, you know, these people were pretty down and it bought, just gave them that, that freedom to have a little bit of confidence and uh, yeah. um, how much it kind of improved their life, which is not, it's a weird message, but um, oh, it's fun. It's a, it's supposed to be a comedy. It's not obviously there to say, go, go being a boozer, but you know, it's, it's. Yeah. yeah. Well, it is it's definitely, it's a social lubrication alcohol at the end of the day i mean i know exactly when you try to approach someone at a bar sober that's a goddamn nightmare but if you've got a couple of drinks one or two under your belt it makes everything a little bit easier and and they extrapolate that to the rest of your life i don't i don't know if you there's so much talk these days about um like micro dosing with um mushrooms and things like that okay. um so it's kind of a it, that's that's a bit interesting but it's kind of a concept <laughs> 
like a lot of the Silicon Valley do it. Um, so it's yeah. not that far out of the realms of possibilities that, that, that something like, well, even they talk in the movie about Winston Churchill and Ernest Hemingway, although he, you know, killed himself, was, um, didn't end well. Yeah. <laughs> but they were, they were massively successful and just massive boot hounds as well. So yeah. it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. And so, a, I mean, you think of a lot of artists and, uh, you know, bands and stuff like that. They do, uh, you know, help make them more creative and all that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, again, not not saying on this podcast it boozes. It's <laughs> a preference, it, but, uh, yeah, it's just a different steel film that we haven't seen. It's very cool. But, um, yeah. also directed by Thomas uh, Vinterberg, who did things like The Hunt, which if you haven't seen The Hunt, it is a fantastic film. Not a comedy, it's it's full on, but um, also stars Mads Mikkelsen as well. Is The Hunt, I could be way off on this, is when one of their friends dies and they go out the next year on the same trail or something like that, or am I way off on this one? No, this one's actually, yeah, different film. This one's actually where Mads is a primary school teacher, or kindergarten teacher, or primary school, I think it's primary, maybe primary school teacher, or something like that. And uh, a little girl uh, says, accuses him of touching or doing something like that, even though he didn't. But it's then like all of a sudden, because she doesn't know what she's saying and because she kind of has like a weird crush on him, even though she doesn't really know what, like you know love is and that sort of stuff i think she's just kind of generally jealous of him um she says something and then of course the parents then blow it up to being a much bigger thing and almost convince her of what talk her into what and again as a kid you kind of just go along with it and you don't realize the implications of what you're doing so his mm. life Matthew Mickelson turns to hell because the whole town turns on him thinking he's a sex pest when in reality he didn't actually do it and that it's, it's such a powerful film because it's that whole thing where it's like every like obviously that's the most despicable thing like a, a little kid getting preyed upon but like the quick judgment of someone and if they're actually innocent and uh you know what how much it can ruin someone's life and then also the ongoing doubt that people will always have of that person like even if they are proven innocent it's such a power it's amazing film so emotional like emotional roller coaster but geez incredible yeah man thank you for bringing that up because i'm 100 percent gonna watch that because that is just the ultimate switch of what society looks at it's sort of guilty by media, guilty by judgment automatically. And to, to even have the guts of a filmmaker and an actor to make that sort of movie in the face of the movement that's going on. And a lot of the movement is good. I mean, it, it, there's a lot yeah. of bad people out there and they're getting, you know, they're, they're what the punishment is deserved, but there's also in the hunt, yeah. that exact that's same right. thing can happen. Sure, so, yeah, man, unbelievable. Yeah. Well, that's good. unbelievable. I will definitely be watching yeah. that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm. And yeah, I mean, again, this is the same sort of thing, like alcohol, talking about, you know, that in a positive light, such a controversial topic. But uh, yeah. yeah, so no, those two are definitely teaming up and doing some cool stuff. But, yeah. Do you find it that um, that's coming from like a European, you know, film market? Would that something like that wouldn't probably be made in Hollywood? Well, here's a funny one for you. Uh, I mean, I don't know about The Hunt, because I know that did get some popularity overseas as well, but another round is being remade. They're planning to already remake it. I think it is in America. And apparently uh, Leo DiCaprio wants to do the main role in it. That's interesting. Great actor, but 
Jeez, like, do we really just watch it? Like, are people yeah. that precious to not be able to watch subtitles? Like, it's such a good film. Like, you don't, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I was. I had all negative flags, and then, but get Leo involved. I mean, he's. I'm, I'm probably yeah. still going to watch it. I know I'm probably no, no, part of the problem. He do. <laughs> and you're thinking with booze, you're kind of looking at Wolf of Wall Street. There could be oh, a bit yeah. of fun there, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, jeez. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Anyway, number one. Uh, so number one film uh, was actually <laughs> Promising Young Woman. Oh, Paul. Oh, Paul, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it, oh, but... No. Oh, no. Oh, no. Tell, me, tell me all about it. Yeah. Put it on, it's on the list already. Yeah. <laughs> um, Promising Young Woman is the film directed by Emerald Fennell, who uh, actually hasn't directed that much, but uh, if you've ever seen the Crown series, she plays Camilla Parker, Parker Bowles, which is a bit... Uh, there you go. But um, stars Kerry Mulligan, Bo Burnham, and Alison Brie. Um, it follows a young woman called Cassie, played by Kerry Mulligan, uh, has, who has been traumatised by a tragic event surrounding one of her close friends in her past. To deal with the pain, she has dedicated herself to a cunning plan of vengeance. Her method is to dress herself up at night, visit, a pop, visit popular nightclubs late at night, and act beyond drunk and helpless while waiting for predators to try and prey on her in the uh, perceived vulnerable state. That's where then obviously she calls them out and yeah, it, it obviously gets quite hairy from there to say the least. This is a sort of film you could actually see quite easily Quentin Tarantino directing and making. Um, probably without the gore, uh, it's more perceived uh, sort of stuff, um, but it's that sort of badass kind of cool, like just crazy film. I, I certainly wasn't expecting this when I watched it. Um, and I think that was the expectations as well going in. And then literally at the end, uh, it's such a, and again, I will keep, certainly keep the um, uh, spoilers out of this one, but the ending had me up out of my chair, literally was standing up going, yeah. oh my gosh, what has <laughs> just happened? Um and a film to do that now is is pretty rare, but it's just it you don't expect stuff like this, and it's it's very cool. The other thing for me as well, I thought it was so powerful because we get it's on a topic again that is very very common at the moment and stuff like that, but they do it so well, and it it, it has such an impact on you. It's not a film that sits there and lectures you and um you know tells you about uh, kind of scolds you about you know the topic it is so effective in its delivery and showing that these awkward scenes where these guys try and pick her up and then she you know calls them out on it and they just kind of they don't really hang on what i'm not i'm not that person sort of thing it's it's um very confronting but it's it sort of still has a light kind of funny angle while being dark and twisted and um carrie mulligan again she hasn't it's been a little bit quiet recently, but it kind of shows that she really has a lot of range as well. And um, yeah, it's um, yeah, very loved it. Amazing film. Um, yeah, and it's kind of like a, I guess another version of those popular, uh, selling different, but like those sort of revenge films, like a Liam Neeson type, you know, taken sort of stuff. Not like that. She's not like a, a badass killer who goes around and does that. But it's sort of like if you like those revenge thrillers. It's kind of a, a dip at that, but still having a controversial topic with, yeah, like a Tarantino film, like I said. So, yeah. 
So with that, and with the Tarantino reference and the sort of pulpy references, is it something that's based in the real world or is it more of a stylish revenge thriller where there's just, it's, it's, it's like, it's like a different sort of world, a different dimension no, almost, you could say. It, and then I think the realism still gets it. Like it, it actually, it's not, it's, it's the current world and that's the, that's why it hit, hits home as well. And she doesn't have supernatural ability where she's like a Liam Neeson going around like, you know, bashing people. It's more, um, she's very much just a, you know, a, a woman trying to do this, uh, you know, and yeah, it's, yeah. Catching people in a web, so to speak. It's, uh, yeah. 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 Does it have, cause there's like a few of those, for some reason, I'm thinking of two movies. I'm thinking of monster. Um, and I'm, I'm yes. thinking of the species as well. Do you ever see species? Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. Kingley That's in it. Great. So, <laughs> does, does it have that sort of that sort of like um feel about it or is it is its own entity completely uh almost its own entity entity i think it has elements of that but i think um probably yeah still different i mean species obviously been that sci-fi thing yeah. it's probably a lot more brutal monster was just like that was quite dark i thought because it's so mm. um full-on true story i think it was I think it was a true story as well, um, if I'm mistaken. But um, yeah, um, yeah. Whereas this is, as I said, it's kind of got that craziness of that that chaos chaos that a Tarantino film would have, as I said, without the gore and, and stuff like that. But um, it's certainly, uh, and again, I know that's probably hyping it up for a lot of people, but because um, obviously don't always put it up against a Tarantino film, but it's it's just a surprise packet for me. And even Bo Burnham, I think, is a comedian if I'm yeah yeah he's yeah. he's a surprise package as well in it uh, he he does really well too so there's lots of twists and turns in this film so it's um that's the other cool part but yeah definitely my clear number one as i said it's rare that a film gets me up out of my chair like that and keeps me thinking about it for a long time afterwards so yeah shit that's what the yeah. best films do man yeah. like I know I haven't seen a lot of the ones you said, but I will genuinely watch all of those ones. Because as I said before, maybe it's just our personalities, but I think we share very similar sort of tastes in music, in, in movies as well. So I thank you, Paul. That was excellent. Yeah, thanks for joining me. It's good to get your uh, take on, on some of them and even, uh, yeah, your reactions to some of them as well. But um, yeah, well, what was there any film or what, what do you have to number one or any films you think that may have missed out could have been in the top 10 could have not been in there i don't know i, don't, I don't know and i'll be honest i don't know if it was in 2020 or 2021 but there's a movie called run that's on netflix at the moment um yeah yeah, yeah i'm not too sure but it's like a, a quadriplegic playing the main role um yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it might have been this year, to be honest. But if you haven't checked that out, that's definitely worth watching. It's sort of a, it's a fun old school sort of thrill ride. For some reason, it reminded me a bit of Panic Room, um, the old Jodie Foster yeah. movie. So, oh, yes. Um, <laughs> so that, that's worth checking out, even if it is twenty twenty one. That's um, that's worth checking out. But yeah, yeah I've, I've got to get my skates on and start checking out because, as you said, twenty twenty with all the lack of production going on that it, 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 everything stalled a bit even before that, but there's some, there's some gems in there for sure. There is a few films probably missed out as well. Uh, but we kind of covered some of this on the awards ep uh, podcast episode last, the last one we did, but, um, 
But uh, there was a few like the trials of the Chicago Seven, Judas and the Black Messiah, um, uh, Tenant, uh, which usually would always be in there, but I thought was just a bit over the top, a bit too yeah. confusing, which should come in the last <laughs> one as well. Um, yeah, a few things like that, but um, yeah. Yeah, One yeah. Night in Miami was pretty good. Um, uh, trying to think what else. My Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, I actually watched last night as well. The um, uh, It was the Anthony Hopkins one that he won the Academy Award for, um, where he's yeah. playing someone with the future, and that was a powerful film as well. That was really good, actually. Um, yeah. 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 So, yes, it was some good ones. Yeah, it was the yeah. right year. But, um, he's hoping 2021 is even more stronger with a lot more films that get released, but time will tell. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Absolutely. Did you like what uh, King of Staten Island? Did you watch that? I think of it. We discussed this last time as well, and and uh, I didn't actually. I was disappointed by it. I no. I I, uh, I forget the main actors. Uh, um, Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson. Found him a little bit unlikable. I tried to like him, but I just didn't think it was. I didn't think it really went anywhere that much i don't know i know you're a big fan of him and i and you were so you were really looking forward to that film did you like it did you think it delivered with your because i know if you're a bit more of a fan of him than um yeah well i love i love bill burr um yes who was in it played a main role but yeah i thought it didn't have really it, it just wasn't funny enough i mean it was yeah. a dark you know usually with his films there's it's dark yeah, but there's yeah. definitely funny elements but i just don't think it quite got there and it was long it didn't it it didn't do it for me i'm i'm in the exact same boat maybe on rewatch it might be a bit better but nah i, I didn't really dig it yeah 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 definitely disappointing yeah i thought but um yeah well who knows? <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I think that's probably wraps it up. That's the top 10. Uh, again, thank you very much, uh, everyone, for listening. And if you've got your own uh, top 10, if you think something missed out, uh, if you disagree with what was in the 10, the order of it, anything like that, we want to hear it, please write in and let us know. Um, Otherwise, yeah, here's to 2021. And uh, Paul, thank you very much for joining me and uh, sharing some comments with me today. It's good. Uh, my pleasure, Paul. This has been great. I'll watch all the movies next time. But, man, I loved it. I'm going to watch all the movies that we spoke about tonight. So oh, I appreciate it. Loved it. Awesome. Good stuff. Nice. Well, thanks again, everyone, for listening. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs>